Welcome to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. Today is Sunday, February 25th, day 142 of the war with Hamas. Amanda Bushel Dan here with our military reporter, Emmanuel Fabian. Hi, Manny. Hi, Amanda. Good morning. Good morning. Today, we're going to start with what's happening along Israel's northern border in the wake of the Israeli Navy participating in large-scale drills last week. We'll hear about an IDF-targeted drone strike in the West Bank city of Jenin last week, as well as fallout from the deadly Male Adumim shooting on Thursday. We'll learn about fighting on the ground in the Gaza Strip and why the IDF believes many, if not most, residents of the Gaza envelope can safely go back home. All this and much, much more when we're back. The Technion Israel Institute of Technology is where some of Israel's brightest minds ask the biggest question of all. What if? What if they could take on the world's biggest challenges? What if they could develop life-changing environmental, scientific, health, medical, and technological discoveries that will make a huge impact on Israel and the planet. But they don't just ask the question, they answer it too. They turn those ideas into reality. They make them happen. To see just some of the incredible things they've achieved, get the Technion Booklet of Wonders at ats.org wonders. We hope it inspires you to give them your support so they can keep doing what they do best. The American Technion Society. World-changing discoveries by Israel's brightest minds made possible by you. A truck was targeted in an alleged Israeli airstrike near the Syrian town of Kusair, close to the Lebanon border this morning. The Britain-based Syrian Observatory for Human Rights claims two Hezbollah members were killed in the strike, although there is no immediate confirmation of this by the terror group itself. Also last week, the Israeli Navy's fleet of missile boats carried out, quote, extensive exercises as the military prepares for potential war in the north. So do you see this drill as performative, another way of expressing warning that the diplomatic solution is not forthcoming and time is running out? Or is Israel actually that much closer to war in the north? It's probably a a bit of both. I mean, we've seen a lot of saber rattling from uh, Israeli politicians, from the defense minister, from the prime minister, uh, from army officials as well, warning Hezbollah against um, against escalating that would cause Israel or, or prompt Israel to to um, to basically carry out a war in Lebanon in order to um, return the displaced Israelis to their homes, uh, the around 80,000 civilians who have been displaced by Hezbollah's daily attacks. Uh, but at the same time, there is indeed fear in Israel uh, that that the time is running out for a diplomatic solution with uh, with Hezbollah. There has been ongoing talks um, mediated by uh, the US and other countries to try and get Hezbollah to agree to m- basically move back from the border. Um, but at least in Israel, the chances of this happening are seen as not so high um, for Hezbollah to agree to, to just up and leave. Um, so that there is, has been quite a lot of uh, preparations in the army 
for a for a potential war. So we've seen the Navy uh, carry out these exercises. There's been um, uh, many, many drills carried out by uh, reservist forces in northern Israel. Um, currently, there's three divisions uh, on the northern border preparing for uh, a potential escalation. Uh, that is more troops than there are currently in, in Gaza currently. In fact, almost probably double the amount of troops that are currently in Gaza. Um, so it, there is there is a lot, there is some fears that um, this could escalate further, uh, and that is really why the army is preparing. But at the same time, is also um, uh, publicly saying that it's preparing in, in hopes that this will warn Hezbollah against uh, against escalating further, and, and maybe perhaps it will agree to move away from the border. The use of the navy, I thought, was very interesting here, as it's a flagship drill, shall we say, from last week. Because if we all remember, uh, surrounding the October 7th onslaught of Hamas, the navy was really the superstar here, along with the air force, of course, too. What do you think about this uh, very public naval drill? It's interesting. Um, the navy has quite a lot uh, to do when it comes to Lebanon. Um if there is a war in Lebanon, the Navy's missile boats, which are mostly based in Haifa in northern Israel, would immediately be dispatched along the Lebanese coast and they would be um, activated there and they would be striking targets all along the coast and perhaps even deeper into Lebanon with the more advanced uh, corvettes that Israel has. So they have a big role to play in a potential war with, with Lebanon. We saw them used as well in the 2006 war. Um, um, so we know that, that the Navy does have a, a very significant role in a potential war with Hezbollah. It's interesting you know what happened on October 7th. The Navy was indeed one of the very few parts of the army that, um, that really managed to respond um, relatively effectively to the Hamas uh, onslaughts of the infiltration, um, uh, naval boats, small ones, not these massive warships, but um, small uh, boats, patrol boats, were able to thwart much of Hamas's uh, sea infiltration, although some terrorists did manage to reach the shore, but uh, close to the border of, uh, of the Strip, uh, there were attempts by Hamas to reach further areas, uh, to Ashkelon, to Ashdod even, um, and those were um, successfully foiled by the by the navy, who uh, again didn't have any prior warning. They just immediately jumped to the scene and managed to prevent it. So uh, there is uh, something to think about there, as uh, Israel's navy being quite effective. Let's turn our eyes to Israel's southern tip. And early Thursday morning, Israel's long-range arrow air defense system shot down a ballistic missile over the Red Sea that was fired by the Iran-backed Houthis in Yemen. How close was this missile to coming to Eilat, Manny? Residents in Eilat uh, were able to see the interception. Uh, it was over the Red Sea, so not over the city itself, although sirens did sound in the city because of uh, fears of shrapnel potentially falling down. It was intercepted away away, not just horizontally away from the city, but also vertically. It's important to note that uh, this was a ballistics missile, so it's a missile that gets fired into space and comes back down again. And the Arrow Air Defense System is an anti-ballistic uh, system, so it intercepted the missile um, sort of in the exo-atmosphere, uh, uh, as it's called. Um, so it was basically intercepted in space and uh, not uh, not really in Israeli airspace so um, uh, it's it's a little far away from from the city but it was visible uh, from the ground 
Let's move to the West Bank. And this morning, the Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade terror group says its fighters clashed with Israeli security forces in the West Bank city of Kalkilia. And on Thursday night, the IDF carried out a drone strike against a vehicle in the northern West Bank city of Jenin, targeting a Palestinian Islamic Jihad operative on his way to carry out a terror attack, according to the IDF. These two incidents are on the heels of the deadly shooting attack in Maleadumim Thursday morning. Is there some kind of connection, do you think, Manny? I don't know if there's an exact uh, connection to, to, this, uh, to this drone strike and the attack, but we know that the army has been intensifying its efforts against terror groups in the West Bank, Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Uh, the attack near Mali Adumim, we don't know if they were affiliated with any terror group yet. Um, but this strike was carried out against uh, an Islamic Jihad operative who had actually been involved in many shooting attacks recently, uh, targeting Israeli troops in the West Bank, uh, Israeli settlements. And there was a, a number of cases of gunfire from the West Bank, from the Janine area, at Israeli towns over the Green Line. So there were a, a number of shootings toward Kibbutz Meirav, which is just over the uh, over the West Bank security barrier. This terrorist, uh, Yasser Hanun, was um, accused of being involved in these attacks. He also opened fire at the Salem and Jalama checkpoints in the northern West Bank, according to the army. Uh, another operative, uh, also an Islamic Jihad member, was also killed in the strike. Um, we've seen many strikes, I think more than 30 airstrikes in the West Bank since the beginning of the war in Gaza, uh, most of them during counterterrorism raids. So while troops are operating in a, in a Palestinian town, uh, an airstrike will be carried out against gunmen who are shooting at troops, but also a handful of cases where we've seen a sort of preventative strike to prevent a, uh, uh, an attack from being carried out. Let's go to a short break. You're listening to this podcast. So I know you care about the war in Israel right now. And you've been reading the headlines. Massacre in Gaza. Genocide perpetrated by Hamas. No, by Israel. But if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you know one thing. This stuff seems complicated. And honestly, no one can really just pick a side or decide an opinion without really learning. Without really knowing what you're talking about. And that's where this podcast comes in. Check out Unpacking Israeli History, now in its sixth season. They have episodes with topics ranging from what is Hamas anyway, to whether Israel should ransom captured soldiers, and the history of Israel and its disengagement from Gaza in 2005. Unpacking Israeli History cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. So, educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we're back. This morning, the IDF said troops nabbed several terror operatives who attempted to hide among a group of civilians evacuating from combat zones in southern Gaza's Khan Yunis. This was to be expected, as far as I understand. So... Tell us a little bit more about this and what else is happening on the ground in the Strip. This has been a, a, a pattern, actually, where the army begins to operate in a new area um, and they call on civilians to evacuate. And during this evacuation, many Hamas fighters 
basically hide among the civilian population and, and try to flee with, with the civilians to another area. So the army has been um, sort of carrying out almost like a checkpoint where all the civilians that are evacuating will pass through it where the army is operating uh, in order for the army to basically search and check that there are no Hamas terrorists al- among them. Uh, and there has been, um, uh, it, well, recently in, in Khan Yunus, we've seen now several uh, Hamas operatives who were captured. Um, a couple weeks ago, um, there was uh, hundreds of, of Hamas fighters captured like this in, in Khan Yunus. We saw someone in the uh, hospital as well, in Nasser Hospital, many Hamas gunmen were captured there. Uh, among thousands of civilians who were evacuating. So it really is is a pattern that we've seen, but um, slowly but surely the army is c- clearing all these areas of both civilians and, and Hamas gunmen. Um, and this comes ahead of the looming operation in Rafah, and a similar thing will uh, apparently will be carried out there. The civilians, the large number of civilians, will be evacuated from the area, and the army will work to... Um, sort of find and capture the Hamas operatives who are still with them and moving from from place to place with the civilians. What else is happening in the Strip right now? Let's start from the north and then go down south. In North Gaza, we're seeing a uh, sort of a large-scale raid in the Zaytun neighborhood. Um, this is this has been carried out for a few days now. Uh, so the army has been carrying out these smaller raids in northern Gaza, uh, smaller than uh, a large, large maneuver, but it still involves a large number of forces. Uh, and they're very localized to very specific areas or neighborhoods. So previously we saw an operation like this in the Rimal and Shati area. Now we're seeing it in Zaytun. Uh, and troops are entering the area, um, locating Hamas infrastructure, finding remaining Hamas gunmen who are still in the area. Um, and then this will be wrapped up in a few days, maybe a week, two weeks at most. Um, the troops will withdraw and then they'll pick another area to operate in. Um, in central Gaza, there is still ongoing operations in areas where ar- the army has already uh, captured and the army is still fighting Hamas members there. They haven't yet moved into the new areas, uh, such as Dira Balakh, which is a, an area we've talked about, which the army has not yet reached. So there's still ongoing operations in central Gaza, in, in areas that the army has previously basically lo- uh, operated in. And then in south Gaza, the army is still operating in Khan Yunus, although the operation has basically been wrapped up. Most, basically all of the Hamas fighting force in the area has been uh, dismantled. So there's only um, smaller cells of Hamas still uh, trying to target IDF troops. The army did say that recently it's uh, moved into a, a new area of East Khan Yunus, the uh, Asban area. Um, uh, that's closer to the Israeli border. It's an area that the army hasn't operated in, in yet, but still there isn't a uh, an organized Hamas fighting force in that area. So it won't be too long before the army uh, completes its operations in that area too. And then all eyes are still on Rafah, where there are several battalions still, correct? Right, there are still four Hamas battalions in Rafah, and the army will operate there, but the civilians will need to be evacuated from the area. Uh, Last night, Netanyahu said that the um, security cabinet would convene uh, to approve the army's plans to operate in Rafah, and uh, Netanyahu said that it also includes the evacuation of civilians. It's really just a matter of time uh, for when that happens. Uh, Either um, it, it may start 
um, before this uh, this um, planned or potential uh, hostage deal with Hamas, or it may occur immediately after. We don't know exactly at what the timeline is, but the government is going to approve the, the plan, and this all happens while these hostage talks are ongoing uh, with Hamas. And how much do you think that Ramadan will play into the operation in Rafah, assuming that the hostage deal doesn't uh, proceed quickly? I'm not sure it will play much of a role in Gaza, at least. The, uh, the army, I don't think, will will take it into account. They'll, they, we're at war, there's um, there's objectives to, uh, to, to achieve, and I think the army will just go ahead and, and carry it out, Ramadan or not. But I think in other areas... Uh, Ramadan is being taken into consideration, including in East Jerusalem, in the West Bank, especially surrounding the Temple Mount and Al-Aqsa Mosque. Um, there, Israeli security forces will be uh, trying as, as best as possible to keep the, the flames low so that there isn't uh, an additional front that erupts um, amid Ramadan, which we know is a sensitive period. Um, and we'll we'll see how that is handled uh, in that area, but in, in Gaza, I don't think they'll be uh, they'll be taking it into account too much. On Thursday, the IDF's home front command declared it is essentially safe for residents to return to all communities located between four and seven kilometers, which is two and a half miles to four point three miles from the border with Gaza, along with eighteen communities even closer to the strip, including some practically on the war-ravaged enclave's front door. So, to me, this is really telling in terms of the trajectory of the war in Gaza. If it's safe for Israelis to move back home, that sounds as though the goals are being accomplished and that the war is perhaps even winding down. What do you think? Yeah, the war is winding down for sure. There, There is not as many troops in Gaza as there were in the beginning of the war. Much of Hamas's fighting force has been dismantled. So the threat of a mass infiltration over the border into Israeli communities essentially doesn't exist anymore. The army at least is saying that there's Basically, no way that could happen because Hamas has lost around twelve thousand of its uh, of its fighters. T- thousands more are wounded, so they're unable to fight. So there is really very little or no risk of a of a Hamas infiltration again. Maybe not on the scale, at least, of what we saw on October seventh. And the army is ready to respond to that. It is now keeping its eyes open. It has many. It has troops on the border as well. So there's that. But there is still the threat of rocket fire. Although that has also mostly subsided we we remember at the beginning of the war uh, there were thousands of rockets being fired and then hundreds more in the days after now we're barely seeing a rocket a week um, and even then it's usually a mortar and we've even seen a, at least three or four cases where Hamas have fired a mortar or two from northern Gaza at Israeli communities but minutes later the operative behind the attackers targets is in an airstrike so the army is keeping very close eyes on that area and the risk of rocket fire still exists, the army says this, but it is there's not going to be barrages of rockets on uh, communities near near the Gaza Strip. And then we, we know there's 18 communities that um, are basically uh, very close to the Gaza border and they will be okayed to return, but some of them are not. And those are the ones which are um, closer to areas um, near the Gaza border where the army has not yet sort of operated on the ground. So the area is closer to Rafah and some areas in the Khan Yunus area. But the communities that are close to the northern Gaza Strip border, 
those are the ones that are okay to return, such as Zikim and Erez and Oraner and Sterot. Uh, those areas, the army has been there um, since the beginning of the war, since the beginning of the ground offensive, dismantled all of Hamas there. Uh, so there's very, very, very little chance of a infiltration occurring in those areas. Many, thank you so much for all of these updates. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Times of Israel's daily briefing. Please check out another installment tomorrow. This episode was produced by the Podwaves. If you have any questions or comments about this or any other episode, please drop us an email to podcast at timesofisrael.com. Until tomorrow, shalom. <laughs>